0: Hi, everybody, welcome to Your Move where we help you make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. I'm Andy Stanley and I'll be your guide. There's so much talk about the disunity in our nation right now, but there is a way forward. And I think we can lead the way. Stick around, I'll tell you how, right here on Your Move. This week we are celebrating Independence Day, um, the birth of a nation. Um, I don't know if it's just the leader in me or the um, entrepreneur in me, and I'm not that entrepreneurial, but from time to time, I, I think, and I know this is kind of strange, so bear with me. I mean, a lot of you started a company or you, you've launched an initiative. Imagine starting a country. Hey, let's start a country. I mean, can you, I mean we can't even imagine that, right? The United States of America. Now, the, the challenge, of course, um, right now, is that we, we don't feel, and it doesn't seem like we're very united these days, and I think that bugs most of us. It seems like everything automatically gets divided up into one of two buckets, even though we're the United States of America. Everything either goes in a red bucket or a blue bucket. No matter what the issue is or what the, whatever the topic is, immediately there's a view that divides. It's like whatever view you hold, it's like, oh, red, everything. And you're like, well, no, no, I'm not 100% red. You're looking pretty red. Blue, you're blue. No, no, I'm not, no, you're blue. If that's your view on that particular topic, you go in the blue bucket. Two buckets, right? left, right, red and blue. And I don't think anybody's happy about that, are we? Are you you happy about that? I mean, normal people aren't happy about that. Normal people don't like to be pigeonholed, like, wait a minute, all I said was, well, clearly, you're Republican. Well, no, I, you know, no. normal people don't like that. But, and don't tell anybody, I told you this, some people love it. Some people love the division. And the reason is, there is a lot of money to be made by keeping us divided. And there's a lot of power to be preserved by creating the sense that we're more divided than we actually are. I mean, you're, you're adults, you know, this suspicion is profitable. Fear is very profitable. Division, consequently, is profitable. I mean, if you convince me there's somebody I should be afraid of, and if you convince me that you will protect me from that person for a donation and a vote, well, I'm gonna give you a donation and a vote so you'll protect me from those evil people. And the other thing, this is kind of personal, and on a topic like this, I just have to be honest, I, I can't be personal, because my opinions really don't matter. You, you haven't hired me to, to tell you what I think about stuff, that's not even that interesting, but if your summary of me is, oh, he's just kind of down the middle toast guy, I assure you that's not the case. I have very, very strong political opinions, but you know what, that's a little bit part of the problem and it's why we're gonna talk about this today even though some of you are already nervous about the topic and I'm just getting started, but that's on purpose too (laughs) because when you took speech class in high school or college, remember your speech teacher said, when you create the introduction to your talk, make sure your your, uh, introduction gets people's what? Yeah, so I have your attention, so it's, it's working. Anyway, so the other thing that kind of bugs me about what's going on now is neither side thinks the other side is paying their fair share. And for the life of me, nobody will tell me what the fair share is so I can pay it. But here's the problem, here's the problem. The problem with they don't pay their fair share, they don't pay their fair share, is that it leaves us all less inclined to share because we're divided. You can raise a lot of money on the far left. You can raise a lot of money on the far right, but You don't solve problems there, ever. And and I know this is gonna bug you a little bit. You won't find Jesus there because you can't love well from there. And it's why I do my best. And it's why I wade into this topic every once in a while when it seems appropriate. Because I don't want us to be found on the far right or the far left either because Jesus isn't there and problems are solved there. It's why I do my best at times to say, come on in from the far left and come on in from the far right. Not because I don't have an opinion, not because I don't have standards and not because I don't have a lot of energy around our nation and solving problems, but because I do. And the solutions, I mean, you can go back in our own history, even our most recent history, believe it or not. And the problems are solved when people from the extremes come to the middle. So let me ask you this way, okay. Why, just before you tune me out, why do we fall so easily? I mean, we're adults, we should know better. We don't want our kids this, this, to do this. Why do we so easily fall for rhetoric? Because it's rhetoric. Why do we fall for rhetoric that divides us? I mean, has division, I don't think there's a good answer. To this. Has division ever led to a solution? If it has, it's the exception, certainly not the rule, right? I mean, can demonizing, and this is the, you know this is the part we should just, this is just drive us crazy. Can demonizing half the population Based on party affiliation or skin color bring us together? Can demonizing and criticizing half the population because of party affiliation, or the way somebody acts or the way somebody believes or the way somebody looks, can demonizing a whole group of people that you don't even know, I don't even know. Can that possibly bring us together? The answer is no. Here's an idea. Why don't we? Why don't we despise division? as much as we despise people who don't vote like us. The enemy is not the Republican or the Democratic party. Our enemy is not a party. Our enemy is the division because it slows everything down and it causes people to be hurt and it causes people's voice not to be heard when the pendulum swings from one extreme to the other. So why don't we all just decide? you know who the enemy is? The enemy is the division. And when you're alone by yourself thinking about this, you know and I know this, hap- this is absolutely true because it's in the middle, in the middle, what's obvious becomes apparent. In the middle, we all agree on this, regardless of your political persuasion or your religious persuasion or if you even have one. In the middle, we say, yeah, here's what's obvious, here's what's apparent. What's best for people is what's best. What's best for people is what's best. What's best for people is what's best. And in the middle, we can debate what's best for people without dehumanizing and without demonizing people who don't agree with us about what's best for people because we will always disagree around the edges and we will always disagree around the margins about what's best for people, but we can't disagree and hopefully we don't disagree that what's best for people is what's best. And those solutions are found when we come together and leverage our resources, all of our resources, all of our brain trust to solve the big problems that we wrestle with in our communities, in our nation and ultimately in the world. So here's what I wanna do for a few minutes. And this is gonna be uncomfortable for some of you and I understand it. And I've asked, I've asked you to do this before. For just a few minutes and if you're new, if you're watching for the first time, I know you're suspicious and you've got your guard up. I understand, you, you, you should. you know. I, I would like for you to try to take your political filter off your face for just a few minutes. I just want, if just for a minute, if you'll take it off, and then when I'm finished, you can just put it back on and, and go out and you know, be whoever you want. But I just want you to try to listen for a couple of minutes, all right? One thing, um, to start with some common ground, because I think to move forward, we gotta find the common ground. The common ground, one thing that we all appreciate about our nation, I hope we all do, is our Bill of Rights. Um, Bill of Rights is the collective name for the first 10 amendments to the, the US Constitution. Um, it was created, as you, as you know, to protect individual Liberties, because the founders were so amazingly smart. They looked into the future and they realized, you know what, what is so relevant for this generation may not be as relevant for the next one, so they came up with the ninth amendment, that's kind of a catch-all amendment, the kitchen sink amendment, just in case, well, not just in case, because they knew in the future there would be other individual rights, there'd be other individual rights that they wanted to make sure that the people of the United States knew there was room for, that these weren't, those weren't the only rights um, protected. So here's how the, the ninth amendment reads. It says, the enumeration in the constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage other, other rights retained by the people. It's like, what? So basically they're saying there's gonna be some other things that come down the road, and so this isn't saying this is the only list, so this is kind of the kitchen sink. So I think, just my opinion, if we were to rewrite the Ninth Amendment, because it's a little legalese, a little stilted, um, our version of, the, of it would look more like this. It would be like this, the right to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, as long as it doesn't interfere with anyone else's rights, because this is kind of the American way. I mean, this is why people love to come to this country. This is, this is kind of what we expect. Now, this brings us to the tension point I want us to talk about a little bit. And it's something that all of us know, intuitively and from experience, and it's something that the founders uh, were so dialed into, and yet it's something that's so easy to lose sight of. That rights, rights, rights must be coupled with responsibility or things go terribly wrong. You know this if you're a parent because you have given your children freedoms and they weren't responsible with those freedoms and you had to reach in and take those freedoms away. Some of you growing up, your parents took your door off of your room. Remember, some of you had that punishment, or maybe you've taken the door off of a child's room, why? Because I've given you the freedom to have your own space. You have been irresponsible with that freedom. I'm taking your door only because I can't take your room and your brother and sister do not want you to move in with them. So there has to be a combination of responsibility to go with freedoms, right? Individual rights must be coupled with individual responsibility or this whole thing doesn't work. Because again, you know this, rights without responsibility, you know what it leads to? It leads to isolation and ultimately to anarchy. That liberty, apart from responsibility, undermines liberty and requires more laws. So Theoretically, if you're kind of following me, what we need in addition to the bill of rights is we need a bill of responsibility. But this is impossible because you can't legislate responsibility. And yet without responsibility, individual responsibility, we isolate and we divide. Because when my rights infringe on your rights, who's to say is right? This is why we have laws. Because when rights collide, you know this, the law decides. But as, when you have a group of people who have abdicated an understanding, a shared sense of understanding of what is ought, and what ought not to be done then our collective conscience begins to begin to evaporate begins to devolve and to be undermined and when that happens you know what you need more of more laws and more laws and more laws and more laws and close the loopholes close the loopholes close the loopholes more laws more laws more laws but the problem with law is this law reflects the minimum requirement How low can I go and still get to go home? That's what the law tells you. How low you can go and you still get to go home. The law tells you and tells me what we can get by with. It's designed to keep bad things from happening, but the law doesn't inspire us. It doesn't inspire greatness. It doesn't inspire virtue. It doesn't inspire us to be responsible. I mean, traffic laws are great, but traffic laws don't make you a courteous driver, do they, right? Does your homeowners association rules make your neighbors good neighbors? No, it underscores the fact that they really aren't that good of a neighbor, right? It kinda highlights the fact that they really need to do something about the stuff in their front yard that they think is so great that nobody else in the neighborhood thinks is great, right? Free speech, come on. Free speech doesn't make you um, kind with your words. Laws laws just give us the limit. Laws just put a limit on our self-centered expressions of our rights and our sense of entitlement. Rights, what we're entitled to. Law, what we're allowed to do. And our founders said, if this is all you got, it's not gonna work. And we wrote it. The third, the third piece of this has to be morality. What we ought to do. What we're entitled to, what we're allowed to do, what we ought to do. Virtue. Now, why am I talking about this in church? Because I wanna talk about this. Because this is where you come in. This is where followers of Jesus comes in. This is where the church comes in because, and here's the thing, this is. make sure you don't misunderstand me, I, and I hope you agree, our legal system is appropriately decoupled from any religious absolutes. We do not wanna live in a theocracy. But what we do need What we must have and what you can provide and what we can provide is a national conscience a national conscience informed by the law of Christ. Now, if you're not a religious person or a Christian person, you're like, oh, here we go. No, no, just just hang with me, okay? This is super important. The law of Christ, that phrase, the law of Christ, is a phrase that doesn't get much airplay in church and in Christendom, which is so unfortunate, and I didn't even grow up knowing about this until I began reading the New Testament. The phrase, the law of Christ, is a phrase the apostle Paul coined to describe and to summarize Jesus' new covenant command that before Jesus was crucified, he said, Moses was your guy, now I'm your guy. Moses was your guy, now I'm your guy. Moses gave you the law, I'm giving you a new law. How many? Just one, and here it is. As I have loved you, as I've honored you, treated you, cared treated you, cared for you, accepted you, as I have done for you, he says to his followers, I want you to do that for everybody else. And the apostle Paul comes along and he takes this giant idea of do for others what God through Christ has done for you, and he calls it the law of Christ. He references this in Galatians chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse, verse 21. And here's what it looks like teased out in the real world. This is why if you're not a religious person or not a Christian person, you should embrace this. This is, this is the world you wanna live in. This is the community you wanna live in. These are the kinds of kids you wanna raise. And whether you ever decide to follow Jesus or not, these ideas, if they would shape our conscience, it would address every single social ill and perhaps almost every single legal ill that we deal with and would impact the way that we treat and respond to the world, to honor. One another, the way that God, through Christ, honored us. Honor one another, honor one another. Do you know what it means to honor one another? It means you don't dishonor anybody. It means that you defer to other people. It means that when you see people, you see someone initially, automatically, initially, right right out of the gate, you see somebody made in the image of God, who reflects the image of God, someone for whom Christ died, someone as valuable is you. We honor as God, through Christ, honored us. I'm gonna treat you honorably, not because you necessarily deserve it. I don't even know you that well. I'm gonna treat you honorably because my heavenly Father saw that you had so much value. He sent his son to pay for your sin. And at the foot of the cross, it is a leveled playing field. So I'm gonna honor you What if that informed the national conscience? To care for one another, the way that God through Christ has cared for us. You can't mandate care, right? You can't legislate care. Care is I don't have to, but I choose to. To forgive, to forgive one another, the way that God through Christ forgave us. Forgiveness is a gift. You can't legislate forgiveness. You can't demand forgiveness. You can't create a law we have to forgive. Forgiveness is a gift, and if it's a law, it's no longer a gift. Forgiveness is is a free will gift. Forgiveness says this, you owe me, but I'm deciding freely to cancel that debt. I'm gonna walk halfway across that bridge and the door is open if you choose to walk in my direction. Imagine a national conscience connected to and formed by forgiveness. But that's, that's the beauty of the New Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he deferred. The God so loved the world that he served and he cared and accepted. What if that shaped the national conscience? Our founding fathers who wrote the document said, if it doesn't, it's just a matter of time. The apostle Paul, again, who's the greatest Pharisee, then becomes a Jesus follower. Um, he's writing his letter. He writes these letters these, the, the circul- circul- that were circulated through churches in the first century. He's writing one particular letter and it's to Judean and Gentile Christians. And he's reminding them, hey, you're not under the old law. You're not under the law of Moses. Moses was your guy, Jesus is your guy. But he's warning them. He's saying, look, you're not under that law, but don't do what most people do when the restrictions are lifted. Don't do what most people do when the restrictions are lifted. Whenever we get new freedoms, our tendency is to abuse those freedoms. Paul says, look, your heavenly Father has reduced it to one overarching command. But because certain restrictions have been lifted, don't don't leverage your freedom for your benefit. Here's here's what he says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Yes, but, uh, what? but don't use your freedom, don't use your freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. In other words, you're free, but you're not free for your sake. You've been resourced, you're not resourced just for your sake. You have opportunities, it's not just opportunities for your sake. You have entitlement, you have rights, you have law, you live in the United States of America, hello, but it's not just for your sake. So don't, here's what he's saying, don't stoop to, is it illegal? If it's not illegal, it must be permissible. Don't stoop to, how low can I go? He says, you've been given a brand new freedom, but I don't want you to consume it on yourself. Rather, and he goes right to the heart of Jesus' new covenant command. Rather, here's what I want you to do with your freedom. Rather, I want you to use that, that, those resources, I want you to use your margin, I want you to use your freedom to serve one another humbly in love as your savior served you. But neither the law nor the Constitution, the Bill of Rights can make us serve one another. As an American citizen, you have every right not to. As an American citizen, you are entitled not to. The question is, will we choose to? Because unity can't be mandated. Unity must be chosen. And here's the most important part. And somebody has to go first. How about going first? In your family, in your community, at work? I'm you, if you go first, your people aren't gonna be upset. They feel like you're abandoning the cause. You're leaving the party. What's happened to you? Who you been listening to? What have you been reading? Liberal, conservative, oh, you've just been consumed by capitalism. Oh, you've just been consumed by socialism. When we choose to set aside our right not to love and not to care and not to accept and, you know, not to forgive, when we set aside those rights not to do that, the distance between us decreases. And, and, and what Paul says is so brilliant. He said, for, for the, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one. Command, it's so simple, it's so brilliant, it's so catalytic, it's so life-changing. But unfortunately, what comes next is so familiar, it just goes in one ear and out the other. Everybody's like, yep, I believe that. Yep, that's right, I mean, you can hardly argue with this. And Paul, Paul says, look, okay, even if you don't wanna go the whole distance of you know love others as, as God through Christ has loved you, how about this? How about we take it down a notch to make it you know more palatable for everybody? The entire law is summarized. And he's quoting Jesus. In this one command, just love your neighbor as yourself. You don't even have to believe in God to do this. What if we just did that for 6 months, 3 months, 3 weeks? I mean, I mean just I mean what if what if the entire nation said, "Okay, just we're just going to do this one thing." The temperature changes the culture starts to change. And I'll tell you what'll happen without anybody intending to, everybody starts coming out of their corners and out of their extremes. And they have less tolerance for all of them and all of those and all of them and all of those. like, wait, no, 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 not every Republican, no, not every, do you know every Democrat? You don't, well then shut up, okay? You can't say all the Democrats, you don't even know them all, you know four, okay? And they're all in your family, okay? All the Republicans, all the Republicans, Republicans this, wait, 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 so you've talked to all the Republicans, no, okay, well then shut up with that, okay? You can't say that. Just come on out of your your echo chamber. Come out of your corner. I'm not saying give up what you believe. I'm not saying give up your standards. I'm not saying give up your morals and your values. I'm saying come out and come together because when you come together, a terrible, wonderful thing happens. You begin to hear other people's stories and you understand other people's experiences and you begin to see life through their filter. And when that happens, you've all had this happen. When that happens, do you know what you do? You go, oh. Do you know what oh means? Oh means, oh, I learned something new. Oh, I was wrong. (laughs) Oh means, oh means, you know what? I've never factored that in. Oh means that problem is not as simple as I thought it was. Okay, don't forget this. If you're way over on the right or you're way over on the left, don't ever forget this. The further you are away from a problem, the simpler the solution appears to be. The further away you are from a problem, the simpler the solution appears to be. The further away you are from a problem, the simpler the solution appears to be. And this is why when people have shared experiences or I should say share their experiences, when we begin to get into the lives and the stories and the backgrounds and the narratives of people that aren't exactly like us, vote like us, and I'm not saying change parties or change anything, but when you move toward the middle, you learn, you grow and you say, oh, and your perspective is different. And suddenly what what was, why don't they just stop? Why won't they just start? It's like, oh, because from way over there, that problem looks so simple to solve. So what if we just did that? Paul tells us what happens if we don't. If we just settle for, you know, law and rights. He says, here's what's going to happen. If you bite and devour each other, if you're so consumed by your rights and your entitlement that you just pick, 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 and bite, 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 you're gonna devour each other. He says, you better watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. This, to some extent, is a picture of what many of us feel is happening in our nation. We're devouring each other legally because every man or every woman for himself or every woman for herself, Eventually isolates men into themselves, women into themselves, people who look the same way and believe the same way, and live in the, they just we just get isolated. Every man to himself, you just get isolated, and eventually, some of you know this. Eventually, every man to himself divides a man from himself, and a woman from herself. C.S. Lewis says that's what hell is. C.S. Lewis says hell. This was just his vision. It's not theological. He said hell is everybody gets whatever they want just by thinking about it, that's hell. Because nobody needs anybody and everyone is isolated. So wrapping up, I wanna give you three suggestions. Number one, do what's just, not what you can justify. Just do what's just, not what you can justify. Not what everybody else is doing what you can get by with, right? Well, I can get away with it. Not how low can I go, but how others first can I be? How high can I reach? how can I help, how can I help, how can I help? Number two, let's do what's responsible, not what's permissible. If you are not willing to take responsibility for the outcome of a decision, don't make the decision. If you're not willing to take responsibility for the outcome of an option, don't choose that option. Be responsible. When you're irresponsible, responsible people have to come along behind you and clean up your mess. And look, look, it doesn't matter if nobody saw you. You saw you. Doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. Just don't be like everybody else. You're not everybody. You're a Jesus follower. Number three is do. To use the Founding Father's word, do what's moral, not what's modeled. Be the hero, not the villain. Be the hero, not the villain. Come to the rescue. Don't be a regret. Write a story. We say this all the time. Write a story you're proud to tell, a story you're proud to have told about you. You don't have to, but you can choose to. So let's not just tolerate one another. Let's love one another. Let's don't just be law-abiding citizens. Anybody can do that. Let's just, let's be Jesus followers. And in the words of Paul, then we will shine among them like stars in the sky. Isn't this what you want to do? Isn't this worth giving your life to? Isn't this why we should follow Jesus? That we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait for an election cycle. We don't have to wait. We can shine among them like stars in the sky just by embracing the simple idea that I am to leverage my freedom for the benefit of the people around me. And then maybe, just maybe, We can make our way to the middle where problems are solved and things change, and not for our sake, but for the sake of our communities and our nation and ultimately for the sake of the world. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Your Move podcast and be sure to check out our website where you'll find your next step, including resources like our free conversation starters based on today's episode. You can access those by simply clicking on the link in our show notes. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next time and we will continue to explore how to make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. Thanks for listening.